Paris Perspective. Hello and welcome to Paris Perspective with me, David Coffey. In this edition, we're going to dive into the political twilight zone that is British politics and how the post-Brexit rollercoaster ride has essentially evolved and expanded into a full-blown theme park as the UK is set to choose its fifth prime minister in six years. Many observers have compared the implosion of the most recent Conservative governments to the antics of tin-pot banana. Republics. To discuss the ever-shifting sands of the UK's leadership and indeed how this plays into prickly cross-channel relations, today I'm joined in studio by Jeremy Stubbs, who heads the Association of British Conservatives here in Paris. Jeremy, great to have you back in the studio. Great to be here. Well, let's have a quick recap. Since Brexit was voted for back in 2016, we saw Prime Minister David Cameron resign. Theresa May resigned, Boris Johnson resigned, Liz Truss resigned, and after just 44 days in office, that is, and she herself, of course, had to resign. So the Conservative Party has a tight window now to choose a new PM by this coming Friday. Um, Boris Johnson announced on Monday that he would not run this time round, and it is now a runoff between former Chancellor Rishi Sunak, who is well ahead in the game, and leader of the House of Commons, Penny Mordaunt. Now, things are moving at breakneck speed here, Jeremy, and by the time this goes to air, uh, the die might be cast, and it well looks as if Sunak uh, will be PM and is indeed the favourite. But let's have a look here at Liz Truss. Um, When her leadership was announced, or sorry, when her resignation Resignation was announced from the uh, Conservative Party or as leader of the Conservative Party. This came after just six weeks of her being in power. And earlier, uh, France's President Emmanuel Macron, upon her arrival at Number 10 Downing Street, said, well, uh, we hope that there will be a rapid return to stability in the UK. Well, can we expect that in such a short time now that there's only been a window of one week since Truss's resignation? We can hope I don't know if we can expect. Um, It's true that there was uh, a sudden drama surrounding Liz Truss, uh, the sacking of her chancellor, uh, certain other acts of hers which showed that her whole leadership and legitimacy were in doubt. Um, What we can hope for, what we can at least expect, is a return to something like normality, Um, That is to say, a leader, possibly Rishi Sunak, who is in post, who knows what they're doing, who is not going to try any alternative medical cures on the economy. Um, I don't think we could say it's going to be exciting. Uh, It's not going to be inspiring. It's just going to be um, economic management of a traditional kind, I would say, with probably a lot of bitter pills to swallow. Indeed, and uh, the uh, current uh, Chancellor, uh, Jeremy Hunt, uh, has said recently that uh, the British must brace themselves for some uncomfortable truths and uh, uh, economic hardships ahead. Um, But looking to this Monday, I mean, over the weekend, all of the speculation across the UK media was rife about bars come back and uh, uh, there were hashtags thrown out there willy-nilly and the news cycle in the UK media 
was all Boris, Boris, Boris. But but uh, when Boris left, uh, a new start in relations between Britain and France had been hoped for as ties between London and Paris, you know, were very much on edge because of <coughs> Brexit, you know, migrant crossings, uh, you know, across the English Channel. And of course, fishing rights, which was always a very contentious issue. So this new prime minister that we can expect to come in and we are putting our, uh, our, our, our money on Rishi Sunak being that prime minister. Can we expect a reset of cross-channel relations? I'm sure there will be some sort of reset. The first signs were happening under Liz Truss and the, the climate internationally calls for unity. Not only have we got the war in Ukraine, but all of the economic problems, some of which are caused by that war, are affecting everybody. Mm. So there's, there's no room for um, uh, hostile manoeuvring uh, between the states. We know that Liz Truss attended uh, the European political community meeting in Prague, made a fairly good impression. I don't think Rishi Sunak is going to go back on that. There seems to be some movement on the Northern Ireland Protocol, um, Rishi Sunak has had the backing of some prominent Brexiteers, so he may feel some debt towards them. We know that uh, Steve Baker is one of the ministers in the uh, Northern Ireland office, um, but even he is talking in a slightly more conciliatory manner for him. So there is a little bit of hope. There is hope. We can always hope coming out of Pandora's box and indeed coming out of a, a six-week calamitous reign under Liz Truss and former Chancellor uh, Kwasi Kwarteng's ill-conceived budget, I think is uh, uh, rightly uh, mm. no best way to, to describe it. Uh, it almost collapsed the British economy. But uh, back at home, back in your home country, what are Britons hoping for in the coming days and weeks? Are they willing to swallow this bitter pill, as you've mentioned? Well, it's going to be very, very hard because <clears throat> the Conservative uh, reign in government began back in 2010 with, as we all remember, austerity. Yeah. Uh, things seem to be getting a little bit better. Then the pandemic came in and now... All the signs are that we're back in austerity. We're back where we started. Even uh, the Labour leader, Sir Keir Starmer, more or less admits, he blames it, of course, all on the Conservatives, but he admits that even if Labour were in power, they would not be in any position to do anything terribly different dramatic at the moment. Dramatic, yeah. Yes. So it's, it's going to be, I mean, some of us can recall uh, in 1973, I think, Ted Heath, Conservative Prime Minister, saying it's going to be a long, hard winter such as we have never known. I think those words are going to come to haunt us this winter too. Almost 50 years later, indeed. Now, um, Tories, uh, I mean, speaking on the, on the, on the political terms, I mean, the, the Tory party and everyone in the Tory party are going to do everything to avoid a general election. Uh, you mentioned Keir Starmer, said that nothing, even if they're in power, uh, nothing is going to be easy. But both the opposition Liberal Dems or the Liberal Democrats and the Labour Party are pushing hard for a nationwide vote, as polls suggest, that they would absolutely decimate the Conservative majority, which is still a very healthy majority, uh, almost a 
Beatty. I know there were recent by-election uh, defeats there. But how do the opposition actually go about that? As, as it stands, as far as I understand, <clears throat> another election doesn't need to be called for for at least another two years. So what needs to be done for the opposition <laughs> to pull Ah. people onto the hustings. Well, one of the privileges of that uh, great majority in the House of Commons is that the government is not obliged to listen to the siren calls of the opposition who want uh, general elections. Uh, And they're certainly not going to call one now. They're not going to do one, call one for two reasons. Firstly, they would get completely hammered. Yeah. Um, And secondly, because, of course, we're in a state of emergency, really, where stability needs to be brought. Having uh, a long uh, general election campaign, all sorts of people saying that they promise remedies without specifying what they are, because that's the way today uh, in, in political campaigns. Uh, politicians say they will treat the problems, but they do not give away in advance how they propose to do it. So this will just create even more uncertainty. I think that even if one were to argue that morally there should be general elections, it will be difficult to argue that they should take place before the present situation has been stabilised. I think that is the real emergency. Well, indeed, I don't know as well. Are the, the British public, uh, they're sick of uh, drinking all the snake oil that they've been sold over the last few years. Uh, but that's now my own personal opinion. But I mean, um, let's have a look uh, at, you know, we're talking about how what people are <clears throat> back in the, you know, the United Kingdom of Great Britain and Northern Ireland um, have on in the weeks and months ahead, you know, what they have to must confront. But what is the mood here among um, traditional conservatives, such as yourself, uh, viewing, well, all of these shenanigans uh, at Westminster from abroad? I mean, have you um, encountered any defections, which maybe the the Lib Dems would maybe take up some of the more, uh, you know, centrist of the Conservatives whenever the Conservative um, people aren't actually happy with what their uh, party is doing? Well, I think the feeling is one of uh, frustration and embarrassment, uh, but ardent hope that somehow the ship will be brought back onto an even keel. Mm. Uh, In that sense, I don't imagine the mood is very different necessarily from that in Britain. However, one thing is is, is clear, and that is that the uh, means of... uh, producing a new leader, which nowadays involves a vote by members of the party, that is unlikely to happen this week Mm. because, well, it's looking as if there's only going to be one candidate, Rishi Sunak. So it won't be an election but a coronation, as they say. And that might generate a certain amount of greater frustration, particularly in Britain, less so abroad, but particularly in Britain, I would say. So uh, I think members members find themselves in a very, very difficult situation psychologically. I mean, they're hoping that things can be brought back uh, to some sort of normality, but uh, people are frustrated. Are their wishes being taken into account? Uh, who is responsible to who here? Um, it's it's a time of great confusion. Confusion and a man who 
seemed to thrive on confusion was um, Mr. Boris Johnson, the former Prime Minister. Now, uh, Johnson, I mentioned it before in our discussion uh, so far, that he <coughs> did pull out of the race on Monday. He maintained that he got the 100-plus um, MP support that he needed to actually put his name uh, in the hat uh, to come back to number 10 to run for the, uh, the Prime Ministership, uh, but that now was not the time. Uh, making it quite clear, uh, not so much a veiled uh, you know, proposition, that he intends to get back to number 10 by 2024. How exactly does he expect to do that? Because I take it that if Sunak is PM, like he, would, you know, he would be the person that would bring the Conservative Party into the election and look for the re-election, maybe a difficult one, and that, at that stage it will be 14 years in power for the Conservatives. Mm. Um, does Sunak, uh, does he expect, or does Johnson expect Sunak to be thrown under the bus with a no-confidence vote against him in the next two years? Well, I think that uh, Boris Johnson uh, has to give hope to his supporters because he, he does still have supporters. Mm. Um, he could only really come back, I think, if Rishi Sunak fails. Mm. Uh, and that is, of course, a possibility. I think the situation is so difficult that... Um, the chances of him coming out of this a hero are slim, although they are there. Uh, on the other hand, the problem for Boris Johnson is that he has to face the um, decision of the Committee on Parliamentary Privileges and their decision, which then goes to the House of Commons for a vote, I believe, could be ve very negative towards him. Yeah. That's one reason why I think he simply could not come back right now. And if things go badly there, then he may never come back. Yeah. Well, there was a lot of speculation before he actually did come back that he actually needed more money on the uh, on the speech-making circuit in the United States than actually getting back to number 10. Um, but Jeremy Stubbs um, from the Association of British Conservatives here in Paris. And also, I would like to add, uh, you are the... Deputy Editor of That's Les right. Causeurs magazine here in Paris. Thank you very much for joining me today on Paris Perspective. My pleasure to be with you. And thank you for joining and listening to Paris Perspective. Remember, you can always get our older editions uh, on RFI English forward slash podcasts or indeed wherever you get your podcasts. From me, David Coffey, have a great day and talk to you soon on Paris Perspective.